Oh, hi, Mark. The biggest match in history right here. Come on, guys, let's brainstorm this puppy. Like a boss. Let me get this straight. I'm gonna spell it out for you. Ball game. This dude was right when he called you out on his podcast. This is gonna end very badly. You ain't stepped up, you fell off. I'm not a good guy. You don't get a trophy for participation. And these two right here, well, they're my insurance policy. What? This is a great show, no enhancement needed. All right, hello everybody, welcome to the show, Wishful Booking. My name is Liam McNulty, and I am joined once again via somewhere else this week, Jimmy Moorcraft. Jimmy Moorcraft, what's going on, man? Nothing much, how are you? Big week we had this week. Yeah, I'll say, another big week. We're uh, a lot of goings on in the world of professional wrestling, and WWE specifically. And women's wrestling, too. Yeah, yeah, sort of a sort of a Money in the Bank Part 2, or Part 1, depending on how you look at it. The ending kind of made it seem like we were watching the same thing again, but yeah, we will get into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely. Uh, should we start off with Monday Night Raw? Sure. All right. Uh, Raw kicked off with Roman Reigns, as has become pretty much the standard most weeks, talking about or accepting rather the ambulance match, Braun Strowman's challenge for the ambulance match, which we pretty much knew. They already had the graphic last week, right after he announced it. It was all but confirmed. There's no way Reigns is going to cowardly not accept. I really... Oh, and then they had the ambulance back into the arena. The fake out. I'm sure you knew. I knew there was no way Strowman was in there, and it basically unfolded more or less the way I expected it to. What were your thoughts on this opening portion of Raw? Um, I liked it. It's hard for me to conceive in my head that Braun Strowman like, made a deal with the ambulance driver to, like... You know, I don't see Braun Strowman saying, like, or you're going to back in this ambulance, and then like I'm going to blindside Roman. So yeah. it was kind of like cheesy. We could um, we could do a whole show about WWE's weird relationship with hospitals across the nation, <laughs> among other facilities. Yeah. You know, psychiatric institutions in some instances. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's who knows where that uh, arrangement is born out of. But uh, it was good. I mean, I it was pretty brutal with Braun literally, you know, kicking Roman by his vest. I don't know why anyone hasn't yet taken off that desk because, like, there's a hidden joke amongst the internet. There was even a, a petition not too long ago for Roman not to be allowed to wear that protective vest because it, you know, yeah. absorbs, <laughs> absorbs theoretically the damage of a lot of things. So I'm hoping that... It's like an Iron I, Man I, suit. I think with Braun Strowman's character, I can actually see him, like, doing that. Um, but it made <laughs> me think that the spot was cool where he literally threw him into the ambulance. It obviously hurt, but not everyone has the added bonus of a vest to absorb some of that damage. So yeah. it was still a good visual, nonetheless. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's funny to me. Um, yeah, but he I should mean, uh, I, do, do I, the... I like it. That was a storyline back in the day with D'Lo Brown where he had the... He was a heel and he had... Essentially the same kind of thing, and there was a in-storyline, in-kayfabe debate about whether or not he should be able to wear it. His finisher was a frog splash, but... Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, similar, but obviously Reigns is their baby face, so they're not going to shed light on that. Fact, yeah, but as far we, as they're concerned, will. it looks cool, and that's the end of it. Essentially. <laughs> I am looking forward to the match. Um... I'm wondering how they book the finish. We can maybe discuss that leading up to the go-home show about, you know, how we want to book or how we think the finish would go. So as of right now, I'm, I'm you know, looking forward to seeing the final build before 
who, match, do, who but, do you um, think wins as of right now? Well, the better question is probably, do you think it becomes a number one contender situation? Um, I feel like they probably should have added that already. I mean, I guess they can next week. Yeah. But I have a feeling the finish will dictate on the fallout show following the pay-per-view, the fact that Roman either isn't the only number one contender now, or I, I have a feeling the finish will result in that being questioned. So you think, okay, so you think Strowman will win, essentially? I think Strowman will win, or both of them will, like, fall in together, or something yeah. like that. okay. It could be implied already, the number one contender, based on the, you know, the uh, context in which Strowman came back. Roman had announced earlier that night his intentions to fight the Universal Champion at SummerSlam. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do wish Braun brought that up a little more. But like I said, I think that they, they have room to maybe uh, integrate that in a little more as the weeks go on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The next part of Raw, the Hardys and Sheamus and Cesaro dragged Finn Balor into what has become the Hardys and Sheamus and Cesaro Raw time slot. And Eli Sampson was there too. Fortunately, Finn got the win pinning Cesaro. Um, But yeah, nothing really to write home about here. I'm expecting a, a singles match and a tag title rematch, respectively, for Great Balls of Fizzire. Yeah, I'm definitely expecting a tag team match. I'm hoping that there is some type of a stipulation into that. Um, which Finn and Elias, though, I, I mean, you and I were talking off air about how many potential feuds they have going into the card. I don't know if... There's a lot. You know, I wrote them all down. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. I don't know if Finn and Elias would make the card. I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I could kind of see them doing a match on Raw and maybe having Finn, I don't know, just appear on the broadcast somehow or maybe interview him or I'm not fully certain the fact that they're going to have a singles match at the actual pay-per-view yet. Okay. Okay. Until it's official, right? Well, yes. Yeah. And then this Goldust, uh, they did a Goldust, like a pre-tape backstage promo, which was awesome as has become the usual the past few weeks. And then this, uh, this match that they've kind of been hyping for weeks between Goldust and R-Truth, the Shattered Truth match. Um, I love the idea of Goldust having his own cameraman, but the way that the match, or the lack of a match, played out was such an anticlimactic beatdown from Goldust to R-Truth. By the time Goldust's music hit at the end of it, I was kind of shocked that it was already over. I mean, R-Truth was selling it like he had gotten murdered, but they're really he really did next to nothing in the scheme of what can happen in a WWE typical beatdown. Yeah, I don't know why Goldust didn't at least give him the Golden Age or some type of like finishing move. I was hoping he would bring back the Shattered Dream. The yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. It, it did feel a bit flat. And, and the sad part is that, talking again about the ample amount of feuds and matches that could fill up the mid-card on the pay-per-view. I don't see Goldust and Archer making the main card as well. I was reading Bleach Report, and they actually kind of informed my opinion on this, that if they had a kickoff match, they would probably be given more time. And although it sucks that it's on the kickoff, whenever you have a live show, there's the ability for things to get cut or... That's the thing. get shorter. I think that's the thing. That's what I thought after what they did on Raw was that they must not have had as much time as they were expecting to while they were hyping this match for all these weeks. You know, for whatever reason, they got cut for time, possibly for that atrocious train wreck of a Miz TV segment that we'll talk about. Um, well, was that after or before this? That was after this. It was actually, um, I think, I was, I'm pretty sure it was right was after this. Okay. So, yeah, I, I kind of 
feel the same way about Gold Lesson Our Truth. And hopefully, if they do wind up on the kickoff, like you said, they'll at least get some more time than they did here because this was very unfortunate. But yeah, so then the Miz TV segment. The second these guys came out, I'm like, wait, this guy got just got drafted. He doesn't, so he hasn't even, he hasn't played a second of professional basketball. I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch basketball personally. But I can't imagine people are that impressed. I mean, I get that it's impressive to get drafted because of what you did before, but he hasn't played professional ball yet. So the fact that he's being featured, even in not that prominent of a spot on Raw, I just didn't think the potential reward was worth the risk. And I think that what ended up happening hopefully showed WWE for the future why something like this they should consider a little more thoroughly before they pull the trigger on it. Well, Alonzo was recently drafted, and he is an incredible player. And Although I don't follow my sports, I know that he was a really big draw in UCLA. Right. The main... Okay, yeah, so it was LA too. Sorry, go ahead. But the main thing and the the publicity and the mainstream coverage they wanted was due to their father, LeVar, because I don't know if you've been following him, but he has been going on this, like, rant on live sports uh, talk shows saying these ridiculous things, essentially getting himself over it, saying oh, in his heyday he would beat Michael Jordan one-on-one, yeah. his children, and he's been the talk of sports world. Yeah. So I think that it was more his involvement that they were really seeking. I think right. they added his son as a you know bonus for the Staples Center. Also, so the segment would probably get cheered because LeVar is like a heel like in the world right now. Right, he's right, right, right. Okay. Like he has this ridiculous shoe that's like, hundreds of dollars that's hideous five hundred dollars it retails for five hundred dollars and and they're that was the main they were they were portraying i'm sorry i keep cutting you off they were portraying the family as the face you know against miz because obviously miz thought they had a partnership whatever and they they were turning him down but they can't be happy with the way it turned out i I don't know if you heard it when it happened but i i didn't catch it when it happened oh you did I guess, oh, yeah. it, I guess it was the other son, right? Not the one that got drafted and not the dad who was running his mouth about other stuff. It was the other son who said the racial slur, apparently? The youngest son. The youngest son, yes. Who, um, I don't even know why he was there. Just for his own amusement? Uh, yeah, I don't know why he was there either. I mean, they have like a big bowler brand. Um, if anything, I thought they missed an opportunity to do something with the Titus brand. Uh, yeah. Because... It's literally the same. It would be easy to write. You know what the problem uh, is? It seems like that, that the big baller brand are being accused of essentially what the Titus brand has been so far, which is like, it sounds like this guy, LeVar, is kind of exploiting his son, right? Because his son got offered like these million dollar shoe contracts, but the dad, I think, had him turn it down because he wanted to have a partnership with the shoe companies, which none of the shoe companies were trying to do. That's what I heard, at least. Yeah, I mean, and I have Natalie Lamello, who is the name of the kid who made the racial slur. I yeah. mean, they wanted to do this for publicity on SportsCenter, and they got the wrong publicity because I'm actually looking right now, even the New York Post picked it up. There's an article headline, WWE buckles after Ball Brother uses racial slur on live TV. So when I knew this oh, thing yeah. was happening, I thought it was a bad idea. And they got, you know, I mean, I hate to say it's karma, but you know how this guy has been portrayed. And now you're going to give him a live microphone? Like, I, yep. I thought it was a dumb choice, dumb decision. and Dumb risk and to take, and they learned why. Yeah, and, and it was an insult to the rest of the division. I mean, they actually did between the entire women's division main eventing and, you know, Curtis Axel and Heath Slater. They were able to use more of the roster than usual. But I do think, why not give Goldust and our troops some of that time? So yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I bet you that's part of the reason Goldust and R-Truth got cut now that we're talking about it. Because the two segments were back-to-back. Yeah. So, in any case, the term Miztourage. I feel like there's a better name they could come up with if they thought about it for more than two seconds. Oh, I I, I, kind of like it, personally. I think it flows pretty well. And I think they need to do something with Axel and Bo Dallas. They have to, like, I don't know. Yeah. I thought Dallas was eventually going to be doing something else, and maybe with Bray Wyatt, and I thought that was why he's been looking and acting differently. So I don't necessarily think this was planned all along. They need to kind of, I don't know, maybe do some segments kind of like what Carmella did with James Ellsworth and, you know, have them dressed in these suits or do something to more make them seem like a cohesive unit because I do think it has potential. Yeah, definitely. At least they're using Bo Dallas and Kurt Axel. You know, so that's good, obviously. Um, yeah. But hopefully yeah, hopefully they do develop it a little bit. I'm with you on that. Um, after that was the end zone cast kind of makeup slash re-breakup. I don't know. I get where I get where Enzo's character is coming from, and I want to relate to it so bad. But the problem is, I, along with I'm sure you, the entire live crowd in the arena, the entire time didn't buy it for a second. But Enzo did. That cast was genuinely sorry and was ready to continue on as a team. So, what does that really say about his character? Well, I have to be honest. I actually, for a moment, both of their performances were really good. And I do think the crowd bought in on the fact that in that moment they you were think together. think so? Maybe just for the walk up the stage. Well, I, I, in my mind, I was thinking that maybe this was the way, because Enzo and Cass have grown a bit stale. And I thought that this was a really creative way to kind of get Enzo and Cass over with the WWE Universe again. SummerSlam is going to be in Brooklyn, and they have integrated the whole never won a tag team championship into why Cass right. turned on Enzo. Right. So I actually thought it was a really brilliant way to get them over with the crowd again give them a redemption story which would pay off in the take team title win at SummerSlam. Um, oh, so wow. I, they had me, to be so, honest. Yeah, you were thinking about it for a minute or two. I thought it made sense to have them, you know... I mean, I think it's a little aggressive for Cass to big boot him and attack him like he did, but I think that we all can get frustrated with Enzo sometimes that they have a yeah. relationship and it would have made the team seem very real. Yeah, okay, okay. Maybe I'm just... I've been watching too long and I'm jaded because the entire time I'm just thinking, all right, let's see if they make it backstage together. <laughs> well, I just didn't think... WWE is in this process of like doing things multiple times, whether it's the Money in the Bank or this you know, breakup or, or matches between like Ron and Roman. Like They keep repeating things, and I don't know why they're doing it. Like This, to me, should have been how they broke up in general. Like, what that yeah, maybe that's part um, of it. I don't know. I didn't really buy it, like I said, so it's hard for me to... Yeah, I don't know where they're going. I mean, if they have a match of Great Ball of Fire, it's going to be very unrealistic to me. It's going to um, be one-sided, so I don't know. hopefully. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I guess I'm looking forward to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then you're predicting uh, the SummerSlam match would be Big Cass versus Big Show with Enzo in his corner? Or... Yeah, I mean, if I were to book it, I'm assuming there's going to be a match of Great Balls of Fire. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't. And I think that either Big Cass is going to beat up Enzo so badly that, that the referee has to stop the match, or that will lead the Big Show to come out leading to a match at SummerSlam. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you have to have that before you get to Big Show versus Big Cass at SummerSlam. You definitely have to have a one-on-one match that's one-sided like that. I totally agree. Um, so after that was uh, Rollins... Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw somehow survived Kurt Hawkins' Star Factory, which I love, by the way. 
Um, I'm begging you, make me famous! And then Rollins was assaulted by another rambling backstage promo by Wyatt. What are your thoughts, and what do you think about the forthcoming match at Great Balls of Fire? Uh, I mean, at this point, I think Bray Wyatt is better off taking some time off. I mean, I'm assuming... <laughs> so you like this segment going... on Monday a lot, obviously. It's time for you to go home. Yeah, I'm assuming they're going for Wyatt and Balor still at SummerSlam. I don't see them redoing Rollins and Wyatt at yeah. SummerSlam just because... Mm-hmm. Feud-wise, like, there's not really a lot riding. There's not a lot of stakes. Not even really sure what the feud is based on. No, well, I mean, it's based upon the fact that, you know, Bray Wyatt called himself a god. Seth Rollins called him a, you know... Uh, what do you say, a false prophet, Bray Wyatt took issue with that. And every Bray Wyatt dude actually lasts too long. So I can very yeah, much but... see him booking Wyatt to win in some scurry manner and then doing another match at SummerSlam. Wyatt I kinda... just hope they don't do that. We don't belong here! They started teasing Finn Balor and Bray. I thought that would be the match at SummerSlam, which makes me think that Bray would have to beat Rollins at Great Balls of Fire. Right. You lose! I mean, you, you can't have Rollins win and then Balor win. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Wyatt wins this, and I love Seth Rollins, but I actually think Bray Wyatt should win in, in a convincing matter. Not squash him, but I mm-hmm. do think that Bray should win this match. Yeah, I guess I guess I agree with you. Seth Rollins could certainly afford the loss. Good day, sir! I just, you know, it's just random. You know, Bray Wyatt just kind of singled Seth Rollins out. Everyone in the Fatal 5-Way at Extreme Rules was talking trash about everyone. As far as, you know, Seth Rollins blaspheming Bray Wyatt or whatever, you know, every, everyone did that at a certain point. And yeah, hopefully we're leading to uh, back to Finn Balor versus Wyatt, because that's a feud that got started that never really went anywhere besides the five-way. And then I think we agree that Balor would have to win at SummerSlam, much as we hate to see Wyatt lose in big match situations and continue to be all talk. Cool. After that... Oh, after that, they had Lesnar calling out Joe... Heyman said that it would be what everyone would be talking about the next day because apparently he hadn't seen Miz TV. <laughs> I don't know about you, but personally, when Heyman was in the ring telling us that that was what was going to happen, maybe I'm ruining it for myself, but I was thinking hopefully Joe attacks Brock while he's making his entrance because if Heyman's going to give you that kind of a heads up, you got to expose him for it Good from point. a kayfabe standpoint. We heard the advocate call the shots. But what were your feelings on the way that this played out? They're just—they're making Joe look so strong, obviously. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, I like this segment. I don't understand why, I don't know, a lot of Brock Lesnar appearances, I said a few weeks ago, are either in one category where Paul Lesnar, Paul Lesnar, <laughs> where Brock Lesnar talks and Paul Heyman, you know, no. Where Paul Heyman talks yeah, and Brock Lesnar. Yeah, there you go. You know, jobs or yep. the second category is where Paul Heyman talks and then a fight breaks out and that's fine but I find that there are so many possibilities for these segments and I understand that you know Brock whether the rumors are true that he doesn't like doing things or whatever the case may be this was great don't get me wrong why can't it like carry over like if Brock is getting blindsided basically getting choked out of the coquina clutch which I like how it was struggle for a show to keep it on that was right. smart and, yeah, and yeah, Lesnar yeah, me wasn't too. wasn't even completely out. Yep, but me too. But why isn't, like, Lesnar going backstage when he comes to and, like, finding Joe? Find me! Like, every time they do these, I'm expecting <laughs> them to, like, go yeah. and kind of, like, finish it. To but follow up at... Undertaker. To follow up in some way, at least, on what just happened, because it's so huge and Lesnar's so out of control. 
Is anyone left standing? Yeah, and they've done it before. When Brock and The Undertaker had that brawl, they went in the backstage area. But I forgot what main event did. The first week they had that pull-apart brawl. But I was expecting, like, something to happen then. Tonight! The, the tag title uh, draw. Right. Oh, that's right. And that's the two out of three falls draw. More. Yep. Because of the fact that it was a tag team championship match, and I liked that they main evented. But not that night, like not necessarily that night when you had the bigger thing that happened much earlier with Lesnar and Joe, right? Well, and yeah, but not even that. I mean, that match could have still technically been in the main event, but they could have reserved like five minutes for like a backstage altercation to close the show. So they would have still oh, afterwards. Main okay. Same thing with this okay. week. Like I yeah. this week after the gauntlet, they would go backstage and there would be something happening. So. You know, it was good for what it was. I just feel like they could do more. And I don't know if that's me being selfish. No, yeah. I mean, quick. we hear so much about how much WWE is paying Lesnar, you know, for this contract. Like, you would think they would use him while they had him, you know? Really get well, the most yeah. get the most miles Absolutely. out of that Lesnar as you can. When Brock was backing Joe into the LED board, they also missed a spot for them to go right through it, I think. That would have been cool. Yeah, but that would have ended with Joe a little bit less strong. Because I'm still, I mean, I'm pretty much... Joe retained the coquina clutch, like have them both be out, and then Joe put it back on while they're both on the floor. Maybe, okay. I mean, that's fantasy booking, but I... I, Yeah, that's... There were different ways to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're really, you're living up to the name of the show right there. This show. But I'm 100% convinced at this point that Samoa Joe, there's no way he's, if ever there was any chance that he was winning the title, there's absolutely zero in my eyes at this point for Great Balls of Fire. No, but did you hear Paul Heyman's interview after that happened? It was very interesting the way they painted it as Samoa Joe only gets the upper hand of Brock Lesnar when his back is to him. Obviously, Joe's a heel, so if anything... That first differentiates the heel babyface dynamic because yeah. although we knew going forward Joe was a bad guy. I'm not a good guy. You know, not every view needs to have that, especially when Lesnar's involved. But mm-hmm. the way Heyman talked about Joe made Joe seem very, you know, heelish. Credible. He yeah, well, yeah, heelish, okay. In the same promo, he said, this isn't going to be a match where Brock Lesnar takes him to Suplex City and gives him an F5. This is going to be a fight. So that right there tells me that this match is going to be an actual match, which was reassuring. Yeah. Yep. And you can't teach that. You're still trying, huh? <laughs> to keep my hopes well, up I for mean, this I match. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious now at this point. The way they booked it. They can't book him like this and then have an ending like that. That's why I'm concerned. They're making Joe look amazing. It's exactly what I would be doing. And they also can't have Paul Hayden say that, whose word is unstoppable. Yeah, okay. Brock Lesnar is going to defeat The Undertaker and defeated him. Okay, so that's true. I, I believe that it's going to be a, a decent back and forth battle. Okay. My hopes are still extremely high. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean. Not not relative to watching for as long as I have. In any case. I'd at best put you over and at least continue the feud. All right, cool. Uh, what else? Neville versus Tozawa. The Tozawa power is all but set yeah. for Great Balls of Fur. Titus was running his mouth on Raw as usual. It seemed like, did the Titus brand have a name? Did he say, like, the Titus Empire or something this week? It's called Titus Worldwide. Okay, that's what it was. Titus Worldwide. So it actually has a name. That's good. Because brands, you know, brands usually have a name beyond just someone's name and the word brand. Well, the uh, Bulls have big bowler brands, so anything's possible. That's true. That's true. 
that's their name to it. I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to say about their time. I don't think that that was the one to beat Neville for the title. Um, the only thing that raised, I don't want to say concern, but it, I guess it was interesting, the fact that Apollo Crews has been with the Titus brand for, I don't know, how many weeks. Mm-hmm. And now Shazawa has been a part of it not as long as Apollo has. Well, so he's Zawa only now really a officially a part of it that we know about because this was the first time that Titus was declaring it and then Shazawa seemed all about it. And you're right, it makes Apollo look like shit because Titus aligned himself with Apollo and they did nothing together. Now Tozawa is being brought in and almost immediately Titus is doing all these great things for him. So it looks like Apollo is totally helpless. Yes, that was my... And I'm gonna spell it out for you. Yes. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, totally. We agree. I need to get that we're in agreement sound clip. Um, <laughs> the women's five-way number one contenders main event. How did it meet your expectations from, you know, when they had the girls picking their numbers earlier throughout the night? And what did you think about the outcome and the fact that it'll be Sasha Banks versus Alexa at Great Balls of Fire? Um, I had to take my notes down to a simple point because I'm a huge women's division guy. So I was extremely, oh, yeah. extremely excited that they came from a five-minute clusterfuck last week to a 30-minute <laughs> main event this week. So That was, that was awesome. awesome, yeah. The match they, was uh, great. Yeah, I liked how they built the match. It's a difficult position because usually the baby face would be the one to start from the beginning and go to the end. But I'm very happy that Nia Jax is in this position. She hasn't had the spotlight on her as much. Mm-hmm. Um, some could say it was a swerve that Nia didn't win because of the whole Alexa Bliss segment backstage. It was almost like they telegraphed the ending. Well, they telegraphed thought, an eventual match between those two. Yeah, and I thought that Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss, especially because they had that match on Raw and they protected it, Alexa Bliss just left. I thought that would be a major pay-per-view match, like a SummerSlam. So okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping Sasha Banks doesn't just win the title. At Great Bolts of Fire, like maybe yeah. Jack comes or something like that. Uh, but in terms of the match itself, I thought Naya, I mean, for being, you know, a bigger woman, I mean, having the endurance to go that long is very impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't remember a man going in a 30-minute Raw main event in a very long time. And that showed great resiliency in her end. You know, it sucked that, you know, people like Bailey and Emma got sacrificed, but I guess that's just how the match had to go. Um, yeah, that's I how the think, cookie crumbles. Honestly, as much as I love Nia Jax, I think I would have had Sasha beat Nia and then have Sasha and Emma be the final two and either have some sort of a screwy ending. Because I just, I don't know, I hate how Emma is being completely disregarded. Yeah. So I think yeah. as much as I like Nia Jax, I would have rather maybe Sasha and Emma in the end. And So it know, does a little bit less for Nia, but this way you can kind of showcase Emma, even though neither of them are going to ultimately win the match. You can still kind of showcase Emma, give a little bit of that spotlight that you ultimately gave all to Nia. Yeah, I mean, I think Emma was in the match for, I think, 50 seconds. So, you know, that wasn't too uh, wasn't too good. And you're always in a rough position when you have one person take down an entire division. Because now, technically, you know, Nia, Sasha, and Alexa are, like, the only credible women. You yeah. know, that's the same thing that Cesaro and Sheamus did in their tag team turmoil match back in May. Right. They beat every single tag team. So, you know... You take the good with the bad, but Nia looked absolutely amazing. She was the superstar of the entire show, in my opinion. That's true. That's that, That's definitely true. Okay, so SmackDown Live uh, happened this week as it usually does, pretty much as scheduled. Uh, how did it start? Oh, it started, so yeah, so it was basically Money in the Bank Part 2 for the women's division. 
Um, and in this case, a better money. In the, well, in one, we'll, we'll talk about the specifics. Hang on, there's a plane, there's a fucking plane going by. It's like the Avengers Hella Jet. Okay, so SmackDown Live's kicked off with Daniel Bryan. Actually, kicked off with a video package, a really cool video package of recapping the Money in the Bank situation and, uh, you know, the Money in the Bank, what they were calling the second ever money women's Money in the Bank match. But really, in my eyes, it's just a redo of the first, especially the way it played out since, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But Daniel Bryan came out, was interrupted by Carmelsworth. Um, she, you know, kind of summarized what her position from last week was. She named Seth Rollins again, which is kind of weird because he's a face now. But I guess he keeps talking about it, so it's fine for her, too. I mean, th- this was what what it was pretty much, right? They didn't, uh, they didn't, uh, yeah, I mean, well, no, the opening segment for SmackDown, I mean, all they really did, instead of barring Ellsworth from ringside, they barred him from the building, which, you know... Yeah, I mean, it was, it seemed, it was again, another thing that was kind of repetitive. You know, Carmella said the same exact points last week in her promo. And yeah. Like like you said, I, I don't really think they did anything else but accomplish the fact that Ellsworth was in from the arena, which I think they yeah. could have done in a backstage segment. Whoa. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so then we move on to... The Usos and the Hype Bros, uh, this, you know, we had kind of thought maybe the hype, this would be an opportunity for the Hype Bros to become involved in the tag title scene on SmackDown Live. Um, alternatively, it seems like it may, I don't know if it'll lead to a breakup for the team, but in any case, they're not in the division. And then the Usos were uh, confronted by the New Day after the match and challenged duly to both the match at Battleground for the tag titles and a rap battle on SmackDown Live next week. And, um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, those, those things that I just said are going to happen. What do you, do you, did you have something you wanted to say about this or should we just press on? No, I don't really understand the whole rap thing. I'm hoping it ends on Uso just like getting angry and beating up the new day. Cause that, other than that, it doesn't serve much of a purpose to me. Yeah. Did you see SmackDown, uh, to SmackDown Live? Did you see Talking Smack? We, you did, right? Uh, yeah, I was going to bring up how the Usos need to know how to uh, deal with their characters on Talking Smack. Dude, what was with, even if, it, like, I get that they're trying to establish, they're trying to use that that uh, appearance by the Usos with Daniel Bryan there to to establish some kind of stipulation for the tag title match. But to that end, you, I mean, you, the Usos couldn't look any stupider by telling the GM to his face that if they were just losing a title match, they would just walk out on their opponents. Again, well, again, like that wait, makes that makes no sense strategy wise. First of all, uh, you know this happened with Shane McMahon and Jinder Mahal before the initial WWE Championship match, where Jinder told Shane that you know my boys and I will come up with a plan, and that plan happened, and the gentleman and the commissioner did nothing about it. So, if anything, I huh. can see how the other heels are going to take notice of that. Yeah, and and also, Dana Bryan didn't even set in place a, a stipulation. It was just like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that. So I don't know if they're leading to one, but yeah, they well, make a stipulation. I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt that they are because he, the whole, see, that's really an issue with Daniel Bryan being both the GM and the host for Talking Smack, which I'm convinced he makes a better host than a GM personally. But the reason is because he's kind of, 
you know, he's given given uh, freedom to kind of talk kind of openly on that show, and he uses that opportunity in some cases to to really showcase how you know silly the whole thing is because he doesn't have any real power except the power that he's given by the creative you know the creative decisions he's he's told to make you know what i mean so it's like the uso saying this and there's nothing that he can say to combat it so he's like literally uh, there's a couple times on talking smack with kevin owens where he's like man it, it would be great if there was somebody here that could do something about this which is i feel like is that's what i'm saying is kind of making fun of the whole you know the whole thing well, Kevin Owens should be the only one on Talking Smack for the full 25 minutes. <laughs> I, he he, he's a little... Yesterday. He is really good, but he's a little... You know, he keeps coming back. I think sometimes he doesn't... I don't know. Sometimes I think he just goes far. I mean, I can't say it's not all entertaining, because it definitely is. Yeah, no, I love it, I think. Yeah. He's never... If anything, he's always maintaining some type of a heel character, whereas it was so... Like, best friends with Daniel. Like, when they come on the show, they, they're like baby pieces to me. Yeah. And even when they were talking about, you know, leaving, they didn't even seem convincing. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, we're going to do it just because we're going to, you know, I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, so what else happened? Oh, so then there was the episode of Fashion Vice, which I thought was entertaining, as usual. The, uh, yeah, with there, was, there was actually... I don't know if you watched the NXT competition show when before it was uh, NXT now, but um, Connor a little bit, had, a little bit. Connor had a gimmick where he thought he looked like a rat, so okay. he actually had a gimmick where he like said things related to a rat and oh, the cheese. The cheese, okay. As a play on that. Okay, okay, that's kind of interesting. And there's a gif of him, like, looking at the cheese and, like, doing, like, a double take. Huh. And uh, that just goes to show that they have good... They could do something related to comedy. I mean, they're saddled with a very difficult gimmick that... Yeah. I don't really... More. Yeah, the uh, Death Grunge Metal Band or Grind... Grind Metal? Grindhouse Metal? Something? Yeah, I mean, just the whole spikes and the Illuminati thing. And, you know, it's all... It worked in NXT for a little bit, but I think that something they're going to be out with the next batch of spring cleaning yeah 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 yeah. sorry repeat that you cut out a little bit it's not something um i heard i heard something i heard it cut out and then i heard something they're gonna you know the next batch of spring cleaning but yeah well, something they have, they're to gonna... change, they have to change they have to change their gimmick or else they're gonna be out of the wwe within the next batch of spring right cleaning. right it doesn't have a lot of long-term uh sustainability that gimmick i totally agree um. So then, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the expression "um," as you can tell. Uh, so Naomi and Lana, I know that you couldn't have been too happy with the way that the rematch for the SmackDown Live Women's Title between Champion Naomi and Challenger Lana went down, because it was a little um, bewildering. I think for me, I, I it was a little shorter than I expected it to be. How did you feel if you can try to contain, you know, contain yourself while you talk about the way you felt while you were watching that match? Shit, hang on, you're cutting out again. Can or can you, I don't know if it's a location thing, are you inside of a giant safe? I'm 
sitting in the same place I recorded last time we recorded. Huh. Um, says, says I have four bars. Um, huh. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I, I, I heard uh, you perfectly while you were saying that, but the thing you were saying before it, I couldn't make out. Um, there have been women's matches that I've gotten angrier about. I mean, but the issue is okay. that they had Lana be, be, you know, have a competitive match at Money in the Bank, so I don't see why they kind of shifted gears Suddenly. to do the match they did now. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was very sudden. That's that's the impression I got, too, now that you mention it. It should have been reversed, if anything. You know, if, if Lana lost quickly, she could have then said... You know, I wasn't ready. Can I have a rematch? And then they could have done the match that they had at Money in the Bank. And I think the only reason that Money in the Bank they did what they did was because of Carmelo's teasing of the cash in. Okay. So okay. you know, so maybe I mean, that's it. It makes sense that Lana is on. It, it hasn't won a singles match technically in WWE, and it makes sense that you know a championship level competitor would be able to win with her finishing move. I'm just hoping that Lana now begins you know, winning squash matches and slowly elevate up back to that level where she's seen as a credible contender. Yeah. I think that's possible. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think there, it was a saving grace for her in my eyes that at least they were cutting back to her and she seemed angry and they're, you know, they're kind of, it's something, it's, it's a place to go from here. So it's not like she's just, you know, being going to be any, you know, she's not going to be leaving our minds anytime soon. So that was good. And also, now we can say that Naomi has officially kicked out of her finishing move without any type of hesitation. That's which true. Which is a problem for me. That's true. Well, maybe it's, maybe, I don't know where they're intending to go with it. I mean, Naomi is a champion, and, you know, in the men's division, typically in championship matches, you know, there's a lot of times that finishers are kicked out of. Um, but I don't know, maybe maybe she'll come up with a different finisher. I don't. It, that is That is definitely kind of puzzling. Yeah, I mean, I just still would have done squash matches for a few weeks and then built to a match with her and Naomi where she doesn't win, but, you know, the, 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 the finisher is established. I mean, when you're a new superstar, you want that to be your colon card. So it's not the end of the world, but I just think that, you know, I, I don't know how to feel yet about how they view her. At first, at some points, I'm like, they see big things in her, and other points, I'm, I'm wondering if she's just there as almost like a, not a joke, but not if she's ever going to be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah. And just this is just the beginning. I mean, they brought her in facing the champion. There was, I think, a very low possibility that she would win the title, even in the eyes of casual fans, or probably especially in the eyes of casual casual fans. But this was a way to introduce her with some importance, I think. Hopefully. Maybe I'm looking at it optimistically, but I, I think, you know, it's it's such a... Uh, it's not uh, not a big women's division on either show, so I think everyone needs to have... Of you know, be considered a valuable asset that they have every every warm body they have. Not to you know take anything away from Lana or anyone on the division, for yeah. that matter. Um. So after that, they had Aiden English out singing, uh, got interrupted and swiftly RKO'd by Randy Orton, and then Orton kind of did his sit in in the ring. Shane came out and said he would give him a match, uh, another rematch for the title at Battleground, but. Jinder would be able to pick the stipulation, and I'm sure you saw, I know we talked about it last week, um, the possibility of what ended up happening, Jinder wound up picking the Punjabi, Punjabi match. And I guess the reason that they did it the way they did, having Jinder, having Jinder yeah, yeah, easy for me to say, right? Um, the reason they had Jinder pick it is because of the nature of the match. You can't really have Shane put Jinder in a Punjabi prison match, or Orton pick it for that matter, 
even though, and I didn't think about this until they were doing it, it would have made more sense in either case because the Punjabi prison match, specifically by design, gives Jinder the disadvantage, obviously, since he's using the Singh brothers. So I have to ask, like, what do you think the probability that the Singh brothers are inside one of those Punjabi cages waiting to attack Orton the whole night at a, at a battleground is? I'd say it's pretty high at this point. Either it's pretty high or, or Jinder's an idiot. And, you know, even if it is that case, Orton's kind of an idiot for... And, Sh- and Shane both for, you know, why wouldn't they question the, the fact that this gimmick that Jinder chose works to his disadvantage? I know that was a lot, but what are your thoughts on everything I just said and everything that I didn't? The storyline is, or that what Jinder said, is based upon the fact that the great Khali sort of the match and he's considered this revered individual. Although okay, I love that. I love the how they Khali shouted out the great Khali. Although in storyline, the great Khali and Jinder Mahal had actually heat, but I guess they wanted to ignore that. Um, but I do think that the Singh brothers can be under the ring the entire night and then come out from un- under the ring. They have so, to be. Because uh, otherwise, even if Jinder ekes out a win without them, he just he looks like an idiot for making this match that gives him... I mean, it's no secret that without them, he wouldn't be champion in storyline. Well, no, but at the same time, I mean, they could, I mean, they are, they're, they're, if I believe correctly, there are straps hanging from, from the kendo stick. If, if, I'm sorry. There are straps hanging from the, the bamboo cages, and I believe there are also weapons. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not positive on that. But well, you I'm, know there are two cages, they, right? There's yeah, a cage yeah, around the ring and then like a Hell in a Cell type cage outside that. Yeah, and on the outside cage, I'm pretty sure there's accessibility to weapons. Um Okay. Much like a Hell in the Cell match, but yeah. I think they're more. I, I, I'm pretty sure they're easier to retrieve, and that they actually have some type of like the Punjabi theme, if I remember correctly. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. But nonetheless, Punjab, I mean, Punjabans. There is a way for you know Randy's leg to get stuck, or for Jenner to beat him with the weapon, or to hang him up in the strap. So yeah, you know, it, it, it is a way to protect Randy without getting pinned. You know, almost like you could say the ambulance stipulation protects Roman from not getting pinned. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Jinder wins clean without their help. And I actually think that it may be good for his reign because I don't see him being a transitional champion anymore. Yeah. You know, no, I, I don't see the them, I don't so see them giving the title back strong. to Orton at this point. I mean, I definitely see Jinder leaving this feud with the title intact. Yeah, and I mean, Randy's at a point in his career where he, he could lose and just take time off and return. I don't know. That's true. So I just don't see him. So, I don't see him losing. You know, I'm not ruling out a clean victory by Mahal either. I see. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with one. I'm not ruling it out. I just don't agree with one. I guess is what I'm saying. Um. Well, I mean, why? For every the reason, the whole reason I the everything I just said because because it makes. Jinder seemed like he didn't have a plan. Like, if he wins clean, if he just finds a way to win clean, it makes him seem like he had no plan in pick in picking the Punjabi prison match. Because, like I'm saying, it works to his disadvantage based on the based on his strategy in winning the title and keeping it thus far. Well, I mean, yeah, but also the biggest complaint of, of Jinder Mahal from the WWE, from the you know internet wrestling community is that he hasn't. He hasn't, you know, earned his place. And I think beating Randy Orton, you know, whether or not his strategy works or not, you know, he's still beating a 14-time champion. 
And if you're the champion, if you're holding the most prestigious okay. title in the company, I don't the WWE th- Championship should be looking strong. I don't think he may. I don't think it makes sense that he can beat Orton clean in this type of situation without any help from the Singh brothers, based on the story that they're telling so far. I guess that's what I'm saying. Right, but they've also never been in a match where there are different variables that could conceivably and logically prevent Orton from winning. Like I said, yeah, but Orton's character can look in or you know or, beating or, someone with bamboo. Yeah, but Orton's character can look at what the match is, what it has been in history, and what it will be at Battleground. And he can prepare accordingly just as well as Jinder can. So it doesn't, the match itself, that gimmick doesn't inherently give Jinder any advantage. It takes away the advantage he's been using up to this point. That's my issue, I guess. Well, we don't know whether or not Jinder Mahal has been in one of these before. If, if he, you know, they could build that. Secret, you think he's been in a secret Punjabi prison match? I don't know if they're going to bring up the great Khali and, and whether or not he's trained with him. I'm just saying that if Jinder Mahal wins clean, I'm not looking at that as a bad thing because. He needs credibility in the eyes of the universe, personally. Okay. That's how I see it. Yeah, okay. Okay. I just, I, I worry what it may sacrifice creatively but from case, a narrative if you perspective. Case, that could be luck. You know, it could be in several different variables that prevent Randy Orton from winning that don't really necessarily have to do with Jinder Mahal being a better performer than Randy Orton. That's true. I, I think you put the Singh brothers under that ring and you call it a day, but that's just me. <laughs> well, it's definitely a possibility, but you know, I think another possibility is also having, you know, gender somehow win. Okay. So, moving on from there, Dan O'Brien announced, uh, much to the dismay of Kevin Owens, the Independence Day Battle Royal for next week's July 4th edition of SmackDown Live. I think all we know thus far is that AJ Styles will be in it, and, you know, we know from a non-kayfabe perspective that almost certainly he will win it based on the story they're telling, which I hate when they do this. He lost the first title match by countout. You know, we've talked about this before, but there's already reasons for him to get another U.S. title match without having to win a battle royal for it, if that's where they're going. Um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, Kevin Owens made a convincing argument on talking smack. He got his legs stuck in the announce table. As stupid as a finish as it was, I don't think Dan O'Brien is wrong for giving other individuals an opportunity. I don't know, man. Styles had fairly won the number one contendership, and he wasn't definitively beaten by the champion. In that case, he deserves a rematch. There's a bigger case to be made against Kevin Owens. But getting past that, how do you feel about the prospect of the Battle Royal and the U.S. title scene moving forward? I like it. I'm happy that other SmackDown competitors are going to be able to get a chance to fight for the same championship that uh, they hadn't been. A Battle Royal gives many more individuals an opportunity, which is the way it should be. Who do you think is going to win it? Huh? Who do you think is going to win it? Oh, AJ Styles. There's no doubt about that. Oh, okay. So we're on the same page, ultimately. We are. I just don't agree (laughs) with the sentiment that AJ Styles should have been given another match. I mean, despite how it happened he still did not win that opportunity, especially, you know, on Independence Day, America, what the title stands for technically. It makes sense that it would be open up to a larger sort of individuals. I think... America! I just think that it's telegraphed that AJ Styles is going to be the one to get it. So, yeah, they could have just given AJ Styles another match. But yeah, in my so- eyes, I, I like that I get to see, you know, Ty Dillinger... And other people who haven't been used as much yeah, you get, get that you same get, opportunity. Yeah, you'll get to see Ty Dillinger lose a battle royal, and maybe Luke Harper lose a battle royal, and Eric Rowan lose a battle royal, and you might even get to see, probably not, but maybe Mike Kanellis will debut and lose a battle royal. 
That's true. You lose. Good day, sir. Oh, certainly better than what they're doing now, which is not being on TV. So okay. TV okay. Time. You're right. TV is better than no TV. Can't fight you on that, can I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Baron Corbin versus Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's secret formula for Baron Corbin somehow didn't work for him in this match, in this particular match, because it ended with the end of days, uh, no more days, and then Baron Corbin won the match. It's your turn to yeah. talk now. <laughs> oh, well, you didn't really give your opinion. I know, I know. I, I don't know if I really have one, per se. Do you? Well, I mean, I you know, it sucks that Sami Zayn is continuing to get momentum and lose momentum and... Well, you know, I Shinsuke mean, it was seen backstage, so I'm assuming they're leading to a Shinsuke Baron Corbin match. Probably um, after the beatdown. They're also down. leading to a Sami Zayn and Mike Kanellis match, which clearly and I have to also give Bleach Report credit because when they projected the battleground card after Money in the Bank, they thought of Mike and Sami Zayn with no story built. It's like a good first place for them to go with Mike and Maria. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they view them. I don't know if Mike Kanellis is going to be like a jobber to the stars where he's not a glorified jobber. But I he's, hope not. He's dropping out to yeah. establish individuals. Because, you know, I don't think Sam is going to be losing someone like him right away. Um, Even with the distraction Maria by Maria? Involved, maybe. Maria will get involved. You don't think Sami Zayn can afford a loss even with the distraction, like, by her? Uh, I think if Maria gets involved, that would be okay. I don't know. I think Sami Zayn, the more he continues to fall into these slots, the less I see him going anywhere. I'm still having high hopes for him. Yeah, I, I loved how they started out that feud by having him, first thing right off the bat, he came between Mike and Maria. Like, literally. Yeah. He walked right through them. So, it was I, I like that, how he's just kind of like, sorry guys, I have a match. I don't know what you what you want from me, but I this is my direct path from where I was to where I need to be. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And then uh, the money, the women's Money in the Bank main event segment, I guess this is the last thing we'll talk about. Naturally, it was an awesome match. It was a better match than the pay-per-view. Take it or leave it. But the finish of this match, I kind of feel like this is not only what should have happened at the pay-per-view in the first place. Like, this is the way it should have went down. Ellsworth up on the ladder gets knocked off by Becky Lynch, of all people. Then, you know, Carmella still finds a way to win because he still helped her by prolonging the match, giving her the opportunity to win, but not as directly as he wound up doing it at the pay-per-view. But is there any chance in your mind that this was a timing miscue, that that was what was supposed to happen at the pay-per-view? No. You don't think so? I'm 100% set on everything that happened was supposed to happen. Including the, the rematch. It was There was always supposed to be a... A rematch that, because I feel like, again, we talked about this before the show last week. The fact that Carmella won. End on the, the show. The fact that, <laughs> that's a good point. Specifically, the fact that Carmella won the rematch tells me and you two different things. It tells me that the rematch wasn't their plan because I find it harder to believe that Carmella would find a way to win a second time without Ellsworth after the first time with Ellsworth. And I guess you feel the opposite. Am I right? Yeah. You're right. I don't want to say that I think it's obvious because I don't want to be like rude, but I just feel like Tamina is there. She came back recently. She's mm-hmm. there. You know, she's that's true. Whatever. It's More important to keep in mind. Have been she is whatever. They have been established, and Carmella is the only one who has received minimal reaction and has had little storyline despite being in a few with Nikki Bella. Nothing seemed to work for her. James Ellsworth is a character that has gotten over with the fans both as a face. And now as a heel, Definitely. and at Money in the Bank, the finish happens. And now if somebody else won this match, 
that would tell me that the WWE took into account the reaction, not only of the whole man won the women's money in the bank technically for the first time, but this was their experimentation with Carmella in that top-level spot on SmackDown, the same spot that Alexa Bliss had and excelled at. If they were going to redo it, they would have given it to an entirely new woman and gone in a different direction. Because if they, they would weren't... that Carmella wasn't ready for that. Or that they didn't... What, no, the no. Universe wasn't buying it, etc., etc. See, I think we're just looking at it totally differently. I tend to think if they didn't want to redo it in the first place, but they have to, they're going to still keep with their same plan. That's how I look at it. They're going to say, all right, you want us to redo the match? We'll redo the match. It's still going to be the same winner. It's just going to make less sense this time that she's winning. The entire match between Ellsworth being banned and it was telegraphed that he would come back, I knew that they would try and recreate the feeling that the same thing could happen again. Do it again. He got his comeuppance. Because up until that point, the heat that Becky Lynch and him had have been strictly on social media. A little bit in promos on SmackDown Live, but yeah, mostly, I guess. But but most of it was done. A lot of people online noticed Becky Lynch's promo last week, how frustrated she was, and that helped build the spot for this week. And I think yeah. all of that was planned. I think they got everything that they wanted to. James got his comeuppance, and I think that that should have happened at Money in the Bank because it gave Becky some extra sympathy from the fans, and it still gives her sympathy because she was technically still screwed. Um, now, talking about the match, I didn't really find this, aside from the better ending, any better or worse than the Money in the Bank match, and I don't know why they aren't giving the women this outlet to do some of the spots that the men have done. There still weren't any spots. Yeah. I don't know why yep. they aren't In terms of the women. substance of the you match, know, yeah. I mean, if you want to give them the same opportunities as men, I'm not saying wreck their bodies, but I mean at least do one thing. I wrote on a Bleach Report article how I could think of Charlotte moonsaulting from the top of maybe one of the smaller ladders, uh, Tamina's giving a Samoan drop to someone on the ladder, Natalia putting someone's leg through the ladder and giving a sharpshooter. Those are three spots that wouldn't be totally high risk. That would have yeah. added to the match. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a bad match. It was a well-wrestled match. Probably three and a half stars. You know, the ending for me had that into account because in my eyes, it was just one big story. Yeah. And that was part one and this was part two. And that also ties into why I think it was the planned finish because of how this match and the build to the second match had everything to do with the incident at Money in the Bank. Not to mention how I talked about last week, the immediate you know, response from everyone on social media integrated into the show right away. You know, all the women. That's true. That's so. the one strong case in my eyes for the fact that, because I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's just different perspectives, I guess. But that you are right about that. They did do that almost immediately. They started talking about the social media aspect and what the and superstars were saying. had all of the women plead their cases to Daniel Bryan. And I haven't looked at the ratings yet, but I'm sure this was an attempt to boost ratings as well. Well, yeah, my feeling is that they decided almost immediately during or right after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. By the time Daniel Bryan was tweeting that this will be handled first thing on SmackDown Live, they had decided, all right, we're going to have to redo it because of all the backlash. Yeah, I I just 100% disagree. And I also think that Daniel Bryan's return was for that exact reason. I don't think he had anything else. I don't know what else he, he would have done but just say, hey, I'm back. I think that his return coincided with that announcement as well to give him something to do upon his return. Well, he had so been he had been mentioned like you know as being away because they had their first child. So I mean, I was I was kind of expecting him back. The GM was away on leave, and I don't think 
his imminent return necessarily needed something specific to be addressed. They announced his return two days before Money in the Bank, so I think it was all planned, and the plan all along was for him to address that upon his return. That's, that's where I stand, and I'm pretty firm on it. Yeah, it doesn't sound like... I'm not as committed either way. I tend to think there's more of a possibility that it wasn't planned than you do, obviously. But agree to disagree. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about either show or either forthcoming pay-per-view or life in the world in general? Uh, well, definitely not life in the world in general, because that okay. would be a whole different idea. But um, <laughs> I don't know where... Um, I was thinking while watching the Money in the Bank match that maybe Becky Lynch would win and then Carmella would enter into the title scene because that would also make me think that it was planned because they wanted to elevate her character. Um, I still think right. her character was elevated and she does have more heat. And the pop that she And that received, it was planned. Right. And the pop that she received even you know in the opening segment was indicative of that. It was much louder than normal. So they definitely achieved that. I yeah. just don't know who Naomi's next contender is now. Yeah, yeah, they'll have to handle that on SmackDown, I guess. No mention of it other than the title match that they did have. Did you want to speculate beyond, you know, obviously, uh, as a, as a, at this moment, Carmella I, won I the case. And... I could imagine that Charlotte probably will get it. You know, I, I hope they save it for SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, maybe Carmella cashes in on Charlotte, and Carmella would also get a pop for it being in New York. Yeah. Um, but... I would really like to see Natalia maybe have a pretty short run with the championship. If it's not yeah. now, maybe before she retires. Yeah, but no, I no, no. That they that definitely, relatively speaking, she had a pretty good showing in the uh, the second Money in the Bank women's ladder match on SmackDown. Yeah, I would say that Tamina probably dominated more of the first Money in the Bank and Natalia dominated more of the second one in terms of who was climbing the ladder the most. Okay. In terms of rungs climbed... Yeah, uh, if I were to you know wish for book the match though, I would have had Lana um, attack one of them backstage and have Daniel or Shane put her in the match and have her win and swerve everybody. You're still on that, huh? Yes. <laughs> Lana for Money in the Bank to the grave. Even more so now because it, you know <laughs> there would have been a pretty good built-in story that she was still frustrated and she keeps one of these opportunities and then she finally gets it, but obviously that didn't happen. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. They really got your hopes up for her to hold the title sooner rather than later with this whole way that they've introduced her. Am I right? Well, I mean, now I don't think she's going to be holding the title anytime soon. But, I mean, I just think that that would have been a cool way to... Well, you, you but know, you're still hopeful. Her. You're still talking about you're still talking about her winning a match that she wasn't even in that's in the past. <laughs> well, because the show's called Wishful Booking, that's how I would have booked it. That, okay, now, okay. see her holding the title, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, McFly. Think. Who knows? It's not. It's not a huge division. I could see it playing out a number of ways over the course of the next couple months. I'm not sure how I'd wishful book it, other than to actually, you know, how I'd wishful book it. I do. Anyone listening who's paying attention knows that it starts and ends with Oscar. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm gonna probably throw her music in there. All right. So uh-huh. I guess uh, that'll about do it for this week's wishful booking. Right? As I was kind of asking, unless you have more to oh, say. Uh, no, I thought you were signing off. Yeah, that, that will do it. Okay. Well, only with your permission. Only with your permission, oh. Jimmy. Thank you. My name is Liam McNulty. You can tweet at me using the handle at RealHugeActor. 
And my name is Jimmy Moorcraft, and you can follow me at Dr. Moorcraft. And uh, we look forward to interacting with you and uh, talking at you guys next week. We'll see you then. Later, guys.